Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy. Today is number six in our series on Anatomy of Revival. We're going to talk about the seven sons of Sceva and what marked them. Why did Satan say to them, I don't know you? We'll find that out today as God knows his own, but Satan doesn't know his own. Join me. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bobby Andy. Great to have you here today. This is number six in the series I've been teaching on Anatomy of Revival, how revival starts. I believe right now in our nation and especially around the world too, we are headed toward the greatest revival the world has ever seen. This is a great awakening for our nation. I believe it's the last great awakening for the entire world. This is more than just our country. This is the whole world. And I believe this is a revival. It should be started by signs, wonders, and miracles, but also during that time, the church will be taken out. But also during that revival, it will continue to spread around the world even after the church is gone and be the largest revival the world has ever seen. And I believe during the tribulation that there's gonna be more people saved than has ever been saved before in one revival. It's going to sweep around the world and this will be the greatest revival the world has ever seen. So again, it, it, it precedes the coming of Jesus Christ to set up his kingdom on this earth. But to go back and study revival, again, we've studied revival for so long that we've taken past revivals and studied it. But really in Acts chapter 18, the, the closing verses of chapter 18, where Paul comes to Ephesus, all of chapter 19 and then, and then uh, into chapter 20, describes how revival begins, how that it grows, it reaches a peak, and then the word of God begins to take over. That will occur in verse 20 of this chapter. And then after that, we see uh, the church is starting to be raised up all around the city. And that's what Paul will really strongly emphasize in the upcoming chapter. So we have the beauty of it here at all of this. We begin, begin to lay it out. And in verse 11, we took up this verse of scripture, God worked uh, special miracles by the hands of Paul. This is chapter 19 in verse 11 of Acts. And at the at this revival is going, as this revival is really building up to a peak, God starts it out with miracle signs and wonders, but then all of a sudden unique. When God produced special miracles, it simply means unique miracles, something that hadn't happened before. And even though uh, Jesus had uh, you know people touch the hem of his garment and because his garment was touching him, the power of God flowed through that garment. In this case, people actually brought the, the, uh, the uh, handkerchiefs and aprons to Paul, laid it on his body while the power of God was on him and they ran out and took it to the sick and people started getting healed everywhere. And this has literally produced what we have in our churches, this handkerchief ministries. Bring your handkerchiefs, lay them up here on the communion table and we would lay hands on them. The people would come up and claim it and go back out and do it put it on people and just amazing things happen through prayer cloths. And so this revival, again, this going has these unusual miracles. And then here's how it's emphasized in verse 12. So that from his body, Paul's body were brought to the sick, handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Let's further emphasize this again. They were brought to the sick, handkerchiefs and aprons. Handkerchiefs came from the wives and aprons came from men. These are work aprons because the crafts industry was huge in the city of Ephesus, making silver statues that literally spread throughout the city. I mean, if you stopped into a small convenience store, they had them there. If you went into gift shops, they had them there and they had them from the smallest up to the largest so that when you came and visited the city, you would take away a souvenir. That, that statue of Diana represented the great time sexually that you had in the temple with the priestesses there or the women with the priests. 
so that sex was a major thing in that city. And of course, much like Las Vegas, you, you know, what happens here stays here. And so the people would buy these remembrances and take it with them. And this was a gigantic industry in the city, all run by one union headed up by Demetrius. We're going to run into him later on because this thing not only affected the city spiritually for Jesus, but it also came in and helped almost totally destroy this industry. They couldn't sell a statue. I mean, so many people were getting saved in the city, turning to Jesus and away from Diana that the people there again quit buying and the, the, and the industry began to almost shut down. And so again, because they lost huge amounts of money, this is going to cause a great riot and a revolt in the city of Ephesus. So verse 12 says again, so that from Paul's body were brought to the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. And so I want you to notice something interesting here too. It just said they took them out and laid them. And I, you know, a handkerchief is pretty small and a work apron that wrapped around you is pretty large. And we might say here because they went out and the sick were healed and the demon possessed, the demons departed from them. We often have people say, well, I'm gonna lay hands on this person because they're sick. And then they find out, oh no, it's a demon. So they think they have to go and fast and pray more. It takes no more power to cast out a devil than it does to get rid of a sickness or a disease because the anointing breaks the yoke. It doesn't take a stronger anointing to get rid of a demon than it does to get rid of sickness. In fact, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils. He didn't say it takes more for this. Uh, spend more time in your prayer closet before you cast out a demon. And we often think, ooh, demons are so powerful. Listen, sickness is caused from Satan and demons come from Satan. And so again, the power of God in the name of Jesus is greater. So it simply comes back to this, that when they took them out, it doesn't say they, they took the handkerchiefs because they were smaller and laid it on sick people. And then the aprons, which were huge, you know, and then put those on demon possessed people. No, they just went and spread them all over town. It didn't really matter. Sicknesses departed from people and also demons were cast out. So the anointing again breaks the yoke. So revival now begins to affect the status quo. And what we have in uh, this particular city too was a false religion. That was again of the worship of Diana. And so this revival, first of all, in verse nine affected Judaism. And now in this particular section, we're gonna take a look at verses 13 through 16. It's going to affect the religion of that town. It's going to affect exorcism because where is there is false religion, where there is uh, worship of idols, as there was in this case, where there's a lot of sex going on, you're gonna find a lot of demon possession and uh, demon operation in the city. And so exorcism was a major thing in the city too. And that was those who cast out devils. They really didn't cast them out. We're gonna find out only a Christian can cast out devils. Only a believer in the name of Jesus can do that, but they temporarily affected the person enough to where the person thought they were free from the demon, but the demon never really left them. This is exorcism, and this is found in verses 13 through 16. And then finally, in verse 23, down through verse 41, it's going to dramatically affect the business community of the city of Ephesus. So let's take a look at verse 13. It says here, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, let's break that down for just a moment. Vagabond Jews simply mean that they were a traveling uh, group. 
and uh, they traveled from place to place, probably had a wagon. There were these seven sons of Sceva that did this, and they would go in and cast out a devil. Well, apparently, it's just almost like a medicine show. I mean, they, they you call them, and here would come up the wagon, looked very impressive. These men would come out dressed in a certain way, and they're called exorcists. Let's take up this Greek word, because the word exorcist is never used for a Christian. In fact, it's only found in this verse of Scripture. Both the verb and the noun are found here. Exorcist, first of all, is used, and this is the noun. And the, it's the, the word exorcist is literally a transliteration of the Greek word exorcizo. Exorcizo simply means to cast out devils by magic formulas and incantations. In other words, it's working with witchcraft. And it's witchcraft to cast out devils, which witchcraft is really an expression of devil worship. And so it comes back to this, then certain of the vagabond Jews called exorcists decided to call over them who had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus saying, we adjure you. Now the word adjure is the verb form of exorcizo and it's, ex, and it's corcizo. And it is the sa- close to the same word, except it is the verb form. And so what they said was, these exorcists exorcised demons. And it says, we do this by the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Let me tell you what apparently happened. Uh, uh, they had a lucrative business. They were making tremendous amounts of money. And so the, they came and these vagabond Jews, traveling Jews, cast out demons for money and they became rich. They became very rich. And it was temporarily halting uh, of the demons in the people when Paul came along. And so these men were revered in the city. They'd become rich again by temporarily halting demons in people. And the people thought they were set free. But all that would happen is the demon inside would just turn loose for a while and then later on grab hold of them. And it was even worse. And probably they not only made money from casting out, supposedly casting out devils the first time, but from repeat business over and over again because the demon never actually left. So these guys had a built-in business. They were becoming wealthy. And then one day a man named Paul came to the city and really interrupted their business, strongly interrupted their business because he cast out devils and the devils really left and he didn't charge anything. He was free. And so they thought, what, how is he doing this? And they didn't know, so they must have slipped into his meetings and listened to him. And all they heard, they kept hearing over going, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. And so this is what they said. Notice again what they said in that verse of scripture. They said, we adjure you or we exercise you. We cast you out by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. They didn't know who this Jesus was. The problem was, is Jesus was a common name in that day. And so uh, Paul would often probably say it, uh, cast you out in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He would qualify which Jesus he was talking about. And of course, in that case, the demons would have to leave. And so the word again, for exorcist simply means this is what these men do, but they would cast out demons, but they didn't use the name of Jesus. So they said, tell you what we're gonna do. What they did was they said, let's take that name of Jesus. And since our formula works, let's add that name to it. And listen, we take two formulas, put them together, and we're gonna see some tremendous things happen. Oh yeah, something tremendous happened, but it wasn't what they expected. Again, the word exorcist means one who casts out devils by magic formulas and incantations. Go look it up in the Greek. You'll find that's the exact definition for it. 
These vagabonds, traveling Jews, cast out demons for money, again became rich by temporarily halting. They didn't cast them out. They temporarily halted demons in people. This happens today in rock concerts and things like that. They've actually had times where the demonic groups, I mean, the satanic groups would actually have prayer lines and they would, and they would pray for sick people and the people seemingly were set free and they would leave. But this is only Satan working in league with Satan. These men working in league with Satan and Satan is a deceiver. He doesn't really cast out devils and the devils don't leave them. The demons just turn loose and then later on recapture the person. So these men were revered in the city, thought to be holy men. People didn't know they were actually working in league with the devil. They said that they were casting out. These men were virtually alone in their trade until Paul came along with real power over demons. And again, once they attended the meetings, they found out about the name of Jesus and they started using them. And they said, we'll just use this over every person like he does. And here's what happened. They found a demon possessed man, went into a house and said, we're going to give you a free one here. Okay, we're going to try our new formula on you. And they found a demon possessed man that had this demon in him. And boy, were they shocked with what happened. So again, Paul didn't charge money. And so they were going to charge money for it. And they figured we're going to get even bigger than Paul. We're going to take his formula, add it to ours, and we're going to become great. These men knew Paul had a greater power in trying to duplicate and even increase it. And we'll talk about this when we come back after the break. This is halftime. So listen, enjoy it. We're going to have a great, uh, there a commercial to tell you how that you can have the book of Acts that I have written from the book of Acts. And this is explained in the book of Acts that I have written. You'll be greatly blessed by it as well as enjoying the entire book of Acts. I'll see you right after the break. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by his spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bob Yannian explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, 
healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Go with me to verse 14 here of Acts chapter 19. Now we're going to further describe these seven sons of Sceva. It's interesting. There were seven sons and it tells us that, but it even gives their father's name and also tells us that they learned this trade from their father. And we're going to find out their father was a chief priest of the Jews. All this is interesting because it really helps to explain this story. As I was teaching through Acts one time, I came to this thought, this is really interesting. Why was their father's name mentioned? Why was all, was the fact that seven of them was mentioned? Why did it say their father taught them this? And so, and, you know, I decided I would, I would go look it up. And here's what I came up with. And we're going to get into it here in just a moment. It's really interesting. Luke wrote this. Luke, of course, was a Gentile. And uh, he's not mentioned in the four Gospels, although he wrote one of them, the book of Luke, and also wrote the book of Acts. He's the only Gentile author in the Word of God. And so here we have again that he wrote this, but he was apparently present. Most everything that Jesus did, he was present and wrote it from really more of a Gentile point of view and apparently uh, had run into this man named Sceva. We'll get into it here in just a moment. Look at verse 14 again with me. There were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew. Notice this, a chief priest who did so. In other words, he cast out devils and apparently the seven sons learned from him and began this lucrative business. Let me just tell you apparently what happened. And some others will tell you this probably what happened too. Okay, some other authors, but here's what happened. Apparently he taught them these seven sons how to cast out devils, but he pretty much had the area of Jerusalem wrapped up because why? He's a chief priest. The chief priests are only in Jerusalem. Okay, so this tells us something. They were from Jerusalem originally, but they must have spread out. They were looking for a place to go. And a place like Ephesus was incredible because they worshiped demons. They worshiped the idols. The idolatry was part of it and sexual, you know, perversion was part of it. So demons were rampant and they decided this was the place to go. And sure enough, they made tons of money from people whose children or their husbands or wives or whoever friends were demon possessed. They would hire these men to come and cast out these devils. The devils would recapture the person later. and They made lots and lots of money off of that. I was in uh, the Philippines a number of years ago and uh, I spoke at a Bible school on this little island and in the middle of the island, there was this, there was this uh, mountain there. And so uh, uh, they were telling me about it and the lady that ran this uh, ministry school uh, was telling me, she said, there's a witch that lives up there. And she said, one of the young men ran down and received Jesus as savior. One day he came down because he was trying to get away from that little village, came down here. We got him saved. He attended our school and we sent him back up there one day and he cast the demon out of that lady that ran the place. But he told us some interesting stories. And that was this, since it's on the top of a mountain, there's people, the reputation of this witch was everywhere. And she ran the, the, uh, the village up there. And so people would fly in from all over the world and they would come in in helicopters and drop down there and rich people that had, uh, you know, sicknesses and diseases. And she was called a psychic surgeon. She could uh, supposedly, supposedly all demonic operated, could reach in and actually take out the part that was sick, take out the cancer, take out whatever. And the person was set free. 
And so they would pay her lots and lots of money. And then they would fly away, but then about four or five months later come back because the person was worse off than it started. And this lady told me, she said, very rarely do they come back a third time. By the second time they leave, the CBD are set free and they die. And they, they're, they're, not, they're not well very long. And very few come back for the third one and live long enough. And she said, it just, it's just demonic. Well, that's kind of probably what happened here with the seven sons of Sceva is they would supposedly cast out a devil and then later on it would come back again. They would make money off of the second time. But every time it got worse and worse because the Bible tells us when a demon leaves a person, they roam through dry places. Well, in this case, they weren't actually roaming through dry places, but when they came back, they're hungrier than ever to take more control over the person. And eventually the person might've been just totally beyond even being set free except for the power of God. And these men would make as much money off a person, move on to the next one, and they were everywhere. Demonic uh, uh, demonstrations were everywhere, and these men would, would supposedly cast them out. But we found out again, they do it by magic formulas and incantations. So let's come back to it again. Sceva, their father, was one of the 24 ruling uh, priests in the Sanhedrin of Jerusalem. And these are his seven sons. And they're using their family name and religious affiliation to bring in money. But apparently Luke brought him out and said, these were seven sons of a man named Sceva and a chief priest. And he taught them this occupation because he did it himself. And so apparently Luke had seen and even met Sceva and remembered the admonition Jesus gave to him and is found in Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 20, where Jesus was there and apparently met this man Sceva. Although the man's name was not mentioned, it's incredible what was said there. And what happened was, is Jesus was ministering and he was casting out a devil the religious people begin to make fun of Jesus and said he really casts out devils by the devil. Well, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? These men are doing it the same way. They are the ones working in league to cast out a devil through Satan's name himself. And so this verse showed the demon control in religion has always been there. Behind the scenes of religion, who talks about God and all this, if they don't believe in the new birth and don't believe in the true power of God and the true means of salvation, then it's demonically controlled. It is satanically controlled and Satan has great control in there. Everything they do is literally an imitation of what Jesus Christ does. They have a false salvation. They have a false deliverance. They have false healings and all these different things. And so they have a false casting out of devils. So what happened was in Luke chapter 11, what happened was in verses 14 through 20, where Jesus is there, they accused Jesus of casting out devils by the power of Satan himself. And Jesus said, if I cast out devils by the power of Satan himself, then who do your sons cast them out by? They will be your witnesses. He simply said here, you're accusing me of this. He said again, isn't this the pot calling the kettle black? I don't do it because if I, by the finger of God, that's how much power it takes to cast out a devil, the finger of God. Fingers are used in the word of God for the slightest amount of power needed. God created the universe with his fingers. This is found in Psalm 8. He created the earth with his hands, takes more power with your hands, but redemption took the arm of the Lord who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. Isaiah chapter 53, the redemption chapter. So he simply says, I come here by the finger of God. That's how much power it takes to cast out a demon. He said, by the finger of God, I cast out devils. 
He said, and you claim that I'm the one that's demon possessed. He said, if Satan is casting out Satan's king, his own people, his own demons, then his kingdom is divided against itself and every kingdom divided itself against itself will fall. But if I come and cast out demons by the finger of God, he said, then who do your sons cast them out by? Sons is plural. I believe Jesus met Sceva face to face. Luke was standing there, remembered it and wrote it in, in Acts and the Holy Spirit gave him permission to do so. And he's looking at these seven sons thinking, I met your father. I met him. I was there. And Jesus mentioned your sons. And now there are the seven sons that are there. And he wrote about it. And lo, let me tell you what happened in this particular case. Suddenly the real power of God meets up with the false power of Satan. And so in this case, it said they uh, ministered to a man that was demon possessed. Again, back in verse 14, it says, there were seven sons of one man named Sceva, a Jew, a chief priest, which did so. And so in the casting out of these demons, here's what happened was, they said to the demon, we adjure you or we exercise you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. He said, and notice this, they said, well, that when they did that, and here's what the spirit said, the evil spirit answered them. When they were talking, and this was the first time this demon's probably ever said anything back to them. And this demon knows who they are and all this, but it says in this verse of scripture, because this demon has been cast out by these guys before, but again, knows the thing, just turns a trick, you know, okay, I'll turn loose of him. The guy seems to be normal. And within a few weeks, then I'll grab back and he'll be worse than he ever was. Verse 15, again, the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Boy, this was totally unexpected. They'd never had the demon talk back to them. They would adjure, exercise, say some magic words, say some, you know, incantations, and the demon would supposedly, you know, go away, but again, just turn loose of it. This was unexpected by the seven sons. They never had a demon speak back to them, especially in an insulting way. The demon knew Jesus and the demon knew Paul because both were saved. Jesus was the firstborn. Paul was born again. When Paul was born again, he switched from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom and every demon knew it. His name was all over hell for departing from Satan's kingdom and joining God's kingdom. The amazing thing in this verse is the demon didn't know the seven sons. I want you to think about that. I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? Listen, these guys probably thought, what do you mean, who are we? We work for you. We've worked for you for years. The amazing thing again was the demon didn't know the seven sons who worked for him. And it comes back to this, Satan doesn't know his own, but he does know God's workers. The only way to be known in the kingdom of Satan is to be born again because then you're on Satan's hate list and God's love list, the book of life. Listen, God knows his own, but he doesn't know Satan's. You say, what do you mean? One day, the seven sons of Sceva, if they don't receive Jesus, stand before the Lord in judgment and say, didn't we cast out devils in your name? And Jesus will say to them, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Here's the interesting thing. If you want to get known in heaven and you want to get known in hell, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But before you do that, you're not known in heaven and you're not known in hell. Even Satan doesn't know you. I'm sure you're going to go to hell. He may not even know your name. You just have a number. Isn't that interesting? When a person gets put into a prison, their name is taken away and they're given a number. I would like to think that's the way Satan's kingdom is. He doesn't even know your name. 
But the moment you get born again, you go on Satan's hate list and you end up on God's love list. You're written in the book of life. So again, Jesus will say to them one day, if they don't receive him as Lord and Savior, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. This is found in Matthew chapter seven, verse 22. But in John chapter 10 and verse three, he calls his sheep by name. Oh, this is just too good. It's so wonderful. I'm so glad to be a Christian. And notice what happened in verse 16 here in Acts chapter 19. The man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Here's the point. The man with the evil spirit, first of all, this meant one demon inside of one man leaped on seven They fought back, but one demon-possessed man overcame them. One demon is stronger than seven men and then prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. What happened was they were in there and the seven sons of Sceva thought, we're gonna take and mix these two together. But the moment they put the name of Jesus in there, oh, the demon just rose up and came against them and said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but I don't know you. And then suddenly the demon-possessed man jumped on them. And we're gonna find out at the end of this verse of scripture, before they got to the front door, one demon-possessed man wounded them and tore off their clothing and seven naked men ran out of the house with one demon-possessed man behind chasing. Good stuff. You know what? We'll see you tomorrow and continue from here. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.